Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today on the show, the Timberwolves have signed Austin Rivers as a depth piece for the roster. How much can we expect Austin Rivers to play? What does the backcourt rotation look like? Was this a good signing? And how will the Wolves fill out the rest of the roster before the season starts? There's still a couple spots left. Plus, a little more Summer League talk as well as Las Vegas Summer League winds down. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beek and I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Uh, happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. And uh, a big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also follow this show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and my account at, at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, we are at the tail end of NBA free agency. We're two weeks into free agency now. Uh, yet the Wolves have made another move. They had three empty roster spots th- at the start of this week. They now only have two. Timberwolves signed Austin Rivers late on Thursday, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. So I want to talk a little bit about that signing, what it means for the Timberwolves' depth, what the backcourt rotation could look like this year, and how they might fill out the rest of the roster now with still a couple of spots remaining. And, you know, we're, believe it or not, just two months away from training camp, basically. So uh, that's what I want to do here today. We'll close the show with a little bit more Summer League talk as as Vegas kind of winds down. Uh, so we'll get to that as well here in a little bit. First, let's talk about Austin Rivers. So um, he's obviously a name that even casual basketball fans are very familiar with. He's played on a lot of playoff teams. Everyone knows his dad is Doc Rivers. Uh, so it's it's perhaps more noticeable of a signing to casual fans and, and Timberwolves fans and NBA fans in general. Um, and I, But I don't know that it's going to have that much impact on the actual rotation. Um, I actually just talked about on Thursday's show about how I didn't think the Wolves were going to trade. Um, the example I gave was the the fake Bleacher Report trade of the Wolves potentially, could they trade Nas Reed for Shake Milton from the Sixers, you know, for more perimeter scoring and perimeter creation. And I said, no, I, I said that didn't make sense. I didn't think they needed more of that on the perimeter. I didn't think they needed more backcourt depth. I, I thought they'd, you know, add one piece, but I didn't think it would be a, a legit piece that, that could potentially be part of the rotation. Well, I was wrong. Um, I mean, obviously, this didn't come in the form of a trade, but Austin Rivers has been in the rotation at basically every stop that he's been on. Obviously, he had that weird half season with the Knicks, and they let him go, and he signed with the Nuggets, but he spent the last year and a half in Denver. He um, is a player that expects to play, and I really don't know at this point, sitting here right now on July 15th, what this backcourt rotation is going to look like for the Wolves. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Austin Rivers as a player, and... Uh, before we get to the actual implications on the rotations, let's let's go there. Um, Austin Rivers as a player is still a solid perimeter depth piece is how I would describe him as. I don't expect him to be, he's certainly not a starter for this team. He's certainly not the first guy off the bench and he hasn't been for a few years. Um, but as a player, he is an effective combo guard. He's got enough size to play both guard positions. He's basically about 6'4 with good length. He's always been kind of a, I shouldn't say always, early in his career, he was not a good three-point shooter, but he's improved drastically. Uh, 34% last year, just a hair under 37% the year prior to that, 36% before that. So for his career, he's 34.9, so basically 35% from three for his career. But if you look at the last three seasons, he's much higher than that. He's uh, 
well, I guess not much higher, 35.5%, so about a point higher than what he is for his career. But he's a good three-point shooter. He can shoot the three. He's also still pretty good getting into the paint. Um, he's not ultra-athletic, and of course now he's 30 years old, but he has kind of a, a little bit of a jab-step type move that he can use to get into the paint and create for himself or others. He's certainly not a pure point guard, but he can initiate offense, and I'd put him in that same category as Bryn Forbes in that regard. Obviously, Forbes is a better shooter and and is a little bit smaller, and they're not the same players, but both of them are best cast as a shooting guard that isn't the primary creator, but can create off the bounce if they need to, given rotations, and, and we may see that. Um, of course, the history there is is he was a high pick by New Orleans, which at the time, this was now 10 years ago, but Dell Demps, who's currently in the Timberwolves front office as an assistant GM, um, was running the front office in New Orleans and drafted Austin Rivers 10th overall for New Orleans. He was a little bit disappointing given his status as a high lottery pick. I thought he was overrated for the first few years of his career. It was kind of a running joke between me and my friends. I thought he was one of the most overrated players in the league because of his name and where he was drafted, but he wasn't very good. But then when he went to the Clippers and actually played for his dad, he found a role as a pretty solid bench guy. He actually started most, uh, there was a, about a season and a half where he started for the Clippers in the 16, 18 range and scored a little bit. The three-pointer improved to over 37%. He became a pretty solid all-around player. The defense has always been decent. Then he bounced from Washington to Houston to the Knicks, and then spent the last season and a half playing for the Nuggets. And of course, Tim Connolly signed him the last two years, initially to a 10-day deal um, in, in early 2021. And then last year, he spent the entire year with Denver, played 67 games, started 18 of them, And, um, you know, came back down to earth a little bit in terms of shooting the ball, but was an important player in their rotation nonetheless. And again, the fact that he could defend a little bit is is definitely helpful. Um, You know, Bryn Forbes, Jalen Noel, not the best defenders. I think the Wolves were looking at this and saying, we need somebody with a little bit of size. Obviously, Rivers isn't huge, but he's bigger than, say, Jordan McLaughlin. We need somebody with a little bit of size. Uh, Forbes is small, McLaughlin's fall. Forbes and Noel aren't great defenders. We need somebody with a little bit of size behind D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Um... And, of course, Jaden McDaniels, Torian Prince, Kyle Anderson, those guys are playing the three and the four in certain lineups. You need somebody that can defend a little bit in the backcourt with size besides Anthony Edwards. And I think that's kind of the the, uh, the main reasoning behind this signing, beyond the fact that this is a depth signing at the minimum, at the minimum deal, uh, most certainly. Another thing to note about Rivers is he's been in the playoffs in seven of the last eight seasons, and I think a lot of times we can kind of overstate the uh, the impact of somebody with playoff experience, that certainly can be overstated. But the Wolves no doubt looked at the roster and said, okay, well, yeah, everyone on the roster except for the rookies now has quote-unquote playoff experience because they all played last year in the playoffs. But no Patrick Beverly, Torian Prince would be the only other one besides Delo's brief trip to the playoffs with Brooklyn and Towns' brief t- trip to the playoffs with Jimmy Butler several years ago. There isn't a ton of actual playoff experience here. Well, obviously Rudy Gobert, I guess. But certainly in the backcourt, you lose Patrick Beverly, and you're looking at Prince and Gobert as basically your only guys that have that playoff experience. You bring in somebody that's been to the playoffs in seven of the last eight years, has played in Los Angeles, um, has been on some good teams, and is familiar, of course, with Tim Connolly, and of course, Del Demps as well. Um, they know him as a person. They know how he could fit in. I think there's certainly something there uh, you know, to, to why he was the addition to kind of round out that backcourt rotation. So, I want to talk a little bit more about the rotation now, given this signing, and then we'll jump to some summer league here in just a moment. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, which is, of course, now headed into the All-Star break. Uh, Early next week is Home Run Derby. I'm sure that Home Run Derby props will be on there. Uh, Major League Baseball All-Star game is next Tuesday. Uh, And then, of course, NFL preseason football. We're like three weeks away from the start of preseason, and, of course, that'll be available to bet on on BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports and scores plus betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in at all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action betonline where the game starts All right, let's talk about the implications of the Rivers signing regarding the Timberwolves' potential rotation. So coming into this week, I think this was Monday or Tuesday show, probably Tuesday, um, I talked a little bit about the minutes breakdown, where I think the Wolves sit currently in terms of who's playing how many minutes and at what position. And I don't know that the Austin Rivers signing really changes it all that much. I think we've still got our clear, really top nine guys in the rotation, right? D'Angelo Russell, Jordan McLaughlin at the point guard spot. Anthony Edwards, Jalen Noel at the two, if you will. Obviously, some of these are pretty interchangeable depending on lineups and matchups. McDaniels and Torian Prince at the three. Carl Anthony Towns and Kyle Anderson at the four. And Rudy Gobert at the five. That's your top nine. Now, what does the what's the line behind that look like? How many minutes does Nas Reed get? At the moment, he's still on the roster. We'll talk about the end of the roster here in a second. Will he remain on the roster? I don't know. But how many minutes does he get? Now, you look at the next two names that are on the list. That's Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes. Now, they're both veteran minimum additions. They're not being paid a lot of money. Um, so how much are they really going to play? What's the expectation in terms of their playing time? Do the Wolves just play matchups? Are they going to give Forbes or Rivers the chance to play some backup point guard minutes if maybe Jordan McLaughlin's not the best matchup uh, you know, regarding you know, his size or, or if they need some more creation offensively? Is it Austin Rivers that gets the call at backup point instead of Jordan McLaughlin? Do the Wolves look to go small? In some cases, obviously, the whole point of adding Gobert is to go big with Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert in the in the uh, in the front court. But in small lineups, I mean, do you play? Do you slide Edwards back to the three where he played so much time last year? You put McDaniel's at the four, Towns or Gobert at the five, and then it could be Russell and Noel in the back court. It could be Russell and Rivers in the back court. It could be McLaughlin and Rivers. You know, any combination of those guys. I still tend to think that as of today, those are your top nine. And then it's going to depend on matchups from night to night. Is it Austin Rivers? Is it Bryn Forbes in the backcourt? And how many minutes does Nas Reed get? I don't think you're going to see very many games. I mean, I, I listed nine guys, but all 12 of those guys are not going to play regularly. There's not going to be a 12-man rotation. And to include Nas Reed, Bryn Forbes, and Austin Rivers, that's a 12-man rotation. If you're assuming that McLaughlin and Noel are also part of the rotation, obviously Prince and Anderson are. So this team now legit goes 12 deep, and that's before we even get to Wendell Moore Jr., and then the guys who haven't actually signed a contract yet, who we'll talk about in a minute, including Josh Minot. So you've got a legit top 12 with no rookies in it, with guys that have all played rotation minutes on a playoff team to a man. Russell, McLaughlin, Edwards, Noel, McDaniels, Prince, Towns, Anderson, Gobert, Nas, Bryn Forbes, and Austin Rivers have all played, uh, been part of playoff teams. They've all played significant minutes in the NBA. That's 12 deep. So who's the odd man out? On any given night, it could be Forbes or it could be Rivers. Or Nas Reed may not even see the floor if, if Townsend Gobert can keep themselves out of foul trouble and the Wolves choose to stagger those guys and go small at times 
with only one on the floor, uh, and perhaps Anderson at the four, McDaniels at the four, or, or even Torian Prince at the four. So lots of options. Clearly, the Wolves are building themselves a roster that's that's flush with flexibility and versatility, the ability to do multiple things, and, and that clearly is important to Tim Connolly and Chris Finch, for that matter. In terms of the end of the roster, there's still two spots available. The Wolves still have their biannual exception and uh, could still sign somebody else for the minimum. They obviously have not signed their two-way guys either. So Nate Knight currently has a qualified offer out as a restricted free agent. He, of course, was a two-way player last year. The Wolves could sign, and I think this is the most likely scenario. I think they give Nate Knight a, d- a deal to, to actually be on the roster, and then they offer a two-way to Josh Minot. They probably sign one other player uh, for the for the actual roster, and then they go out and they find a two-way guy. We'll talk about Summer League here in a minute. There's a couple of players in Summer League that could be options for that second two-way contract. Or the other way they could go is Nate Knight could end up back on a two-way deal if he doesn't find an offer anywhere else, and the Wolves say, hey, this is what we have. You can take it or leave it. Then Nate Knight could be back on a two-way. Josh Minot may actually make the roster, or maybe he signs a two-way, and the Wolves go out and sign somebody else, and your two-ways are Knight, Minot, and then they find two other players to sign to the active roster. Maybe there's one at the biannual exception. There's some veteran depth guys with familiarity with Conley out there, like a Paul Millsap is still out there. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Wolves are going to bring back anybody like a Jake Lehman or anybody like that, but there are tons of players out there that you could bring back on minimum deals or at the biannual exception to add some depth. So I, I think it's really fascinating. I did not think they would add another kind of combo guard piece. I thought they'd look for another more traditional bring the ball up the floor point guard for some depth. They may still do that, but I, I would think it's Nate Knight, one other player to the active roster, and then Minot and one other player to the two-way deals uh, that they still need to sign. And at this moment, I'm sure they're waiting to see how Summer League shakes out. No idea, but maybe they have their eye on somebody that's on another Summer League roster, or maybe they're waiting to see you know who from their own roster, whether it's uh, you know uh, Kevon Harris or uh, Mariel Shayok or somebody like that who performs well in Summer League, that they could then offer a two-way to. Um, all these things are possible. So going to be really interesting to see how the back part of the rotation shakes out, um, or I should say the back part of the roster, and then also specifically the front court rotation um, it shakes out as well with Nas Reed and, and Nate Knight and and how the Wolves allocate those two-way deals. But look for them to add one more player in the front court, one more player in the back court um, with some flexibility to play some wing as well. Um, and then And then I would think pretty soon here we start to find out what they're looking to do with the two-way deals. All right, let's close the show by talking a little bit about Summer League and a couple of players there and how they could fit in with the Wolves roster if they do decide to offer a two-way to one of those guys. So we're going to do that here next. All right, so the Timberwolves in Summer League uh, lost again. They're now 1-3 in Summer League. They took on the Brooklyn Nets late on Thursday, uh, late, of course, Twin Cities time. Um, and a lot more of the same for this team. You saw a couple guys play really well. A lot of the other guys on the roster just not bringing a whole lot to the table. Um, the only really interesting note rotation-wise is David McCormick didn't play. He'd started, I think, the other three games. And George Condit instead started the undrafted big out of Iowa State. Uh, he had a nice dunk, but other than that, was fairly quiet. Um, and the Wolves went ahead and, and gave Wendell Moore and Josh Minot both starting roles again, along with Kevon Harris. For the most part, they didn't disappoint. I think the the headlines from this are um, basically that we saw more Josh Minot activity, uh, which is really important. 
Um, we saw him do a bit more with the ball in his hands, um, or I should say with the ball not in his hands. He did knock down three threes in this game, which we hadn't seen him do since the first game of Summer League. But he pulled down 12 rebounds in 27 minutes, seven offensive rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. He continues to rack up stocks in Summer League. Another encouraging sign, he still led the team in personal fouls, but he only committed five, only committed five in 27 minutes when he'd been six or more in the past couple of games. Uh, but 14 and 12 overall for him, plus the two assists, two steals, and a block. Three made threes on five attempts. He had all those offensive rebounds, but he struggled to 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 convert on putbacks. He shot just five of 17 overall from the floor. So, of course, 14 points on 17 shots isn't what you want. But Josh Minot was also just being Josh Minot and being active. It wasn't necessarily him just taking over, trying to take over the game. He did that a bit in the second summer game, right, after he scored 22 in the opener. He tried to be overly aggressive in, in the second game. Then we saw him play much better in game three, and now in this game we're somewhere in the middle where the activity was still there, but he wasn't necessarily, even though the shot, the shooting percentage wasn't great, he didn't overexert himself with the ball in his hands because that's not his role. Even though he could do it a little bit in summer league, his path to minutes at the NBA, and, and again, not at the start of the season, but maybe later in the season or year two, is activity on the glass defensively, steals and blocks. It's getting into passing lanes. It's making the right pass offensively and knocking down open three-point attempts when he has the ability, when he gets the opportunity to do so. And we saw that in this game. I thought it was an encouraging performance for Minette. I think he's largely been what we wanted to see, or we've seen what we wanted to see from him in Las Vegas. So that was good. Wendell Moore Jr. had a nice bounce back game after some struggles on Wednesday. He scored 16 points on 11 of uh, 11 shots, 5 of 11 from the field, only 1 of 4 from 3, but he made all 5 of his free throw attempts. And for him, the activity, and not really activity as much as decision making and offensive involvement was better. So 7 rebounds overall, 2 on the offensive glass, 5 assists, and only 2 turnovers in 26 minutes for Moore, um, was making the right play. We've seen that consistently We'd heard, you know, with him coming out of Duke that he'd have the ability to be kind of a secondary playmaker type, make the right pass, you know, shoot the ball when he gets the opportunity, the ability to get to the rim in kind of an old man type game. I shouldn't say that. He's got a little bit of athleticism. He's not exactly Kyle Anderson on the other side of things, but he's he's more on the Kyle Anderson side in terms of craftiness and the way he scores, you know, almost kind of below the rim at times um, than he is, you know, an athlete like a Josh Minot. Uh, but we saw the ability for him to 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 he could kind of do it all in in a sense, a Swiss army knife type player. And it's all about the head on his shoulders. Can he make the right decisions at the right time and, and go about this the right way? And I thought this, this game was a good example of that 16, seven and five in 26 minutes, five of 11 shooting and five made free throws for Wendell Moore. Um, So I, you know, I think he checked those boxes pretty well. Kevon Harris, of course, has been the talk, I guess the non-Minot talk of Timberwolves Summer League. He had a quieter game, started, played 26 minutes, 10 points on five shots. He did knock down a couple of threes um, and a couple of assists as well in his 26 minutes. I do think he remains a candidate for a two-way role because he is a bit of a, uh, he can kind of do everything. It's really decision-making and consistency with him. And if you have somebody that can come in and, and get hot or come in and defend a little bit, you know, if if the Wolves ever need a two-way guy as a playoff team, you're not necessarily just looking for high upside guys. You're looking for guys who can come in in a pinch when you're down, you know, hopefully not, but say the team, there's a COVID outbreak among the team or you you have some injuries or four games in six nights or whatever that might be. You got a call on Kevon Harris. He could do stuff on both ends of the floor. He can defend okay. He can score a little bit. He could pass a little bit. He could shoot threes well. You know, he's an above 40% three-point guy in both college and the G League. So I like him as a two-way type player. Also a reminder, he is on an Exhibit 10 contract. So we could expect him to be in training camp as a non-roster invitee if he doesn't get the two-way call 
Um, and then also likely in Iowa because he'll get a bonus to play on the Iowa Wolves roster in the G League. So um, Kevon Harris, I think, has had a very nice summer league. And then one player we haven't really talked about much. I, I previewed him before summer league, uh, but there was one game he didn't play in and, and he's been quiet but solid is Terrell Brown Jr. And I bring him up because he had another solid game, 10 points off the bench in just 15 minutes. He knocked down uh, a three-pointer, got to the line a couple of times. And um, he's more of a pure point guard. And the Wolves need a little bit of point guard depth, right? I mean, Jordan McLaughlin's the only other pure point guard on the roster besides D'Angelo Russell. Obviously, Austin Rivers, Bryn Forbes, Jalen Noel, those guys can all initiate offense and in some order are the third string point guard collectively. But uh, Terrell Brown Jr. has played at a couple of Pac-12 schools. He played a couple years at University of Seattle and then played a season at Arizona and a season at Washington. He started 32 games last year for Washington and scored just a hair under 22 points per game. He only shot 20% from three, and for his career, he was 28% from three in college. Um, he shot it much better as a junior at Arizona. But he can score. He's also a good passer. He's got okay size at 6'3". I think he's an interesting option as a potential either invite to training camp as a non-roster guy, maybe a two-way. Uh, again, undrafted rookie, so he is just out of college, but he played uh, four years, and it was at community college his first year. So really, he played five years in college um, and could be an interesting kind of Jordan McLaughlin-esque signing. I believe he's got a bit more scoring to his game than McLaughlin. I think he's a little more athletic, um, a little a little bigger than McLaughlin, but obviously McLaughlin's got the feel and, and all that stuff, and at this point, the experience. But look at Terrell Brown Jr. as a potential Jordan McLaughlin-type addition to the organization. Um, maybe. Uh, I think he's the one guy in Summer League that we haven't talked about that did stand out to me a little bit that could have a shot at ending up on this roster here down the road. So Terrell Brown Jr., a name to keep in mind. All right. Um, that's pretty much it on Summer League. I think they've got one more game this weekend. We'll talk about anything notable, of course, on Monday's show. We're still daily here for the rest of July, Monday through Friday. So we'll break down any additional moves, what the roster looks like now post-Austin Rivers edition and anything else that happens over the weekend. So we'll be back on Monday for that. Be back every day next week as uh, training camp is, what, two months away and the free agency period starting to wind down. Um, and uh, this team, this roster continues to take shape now with, with some legit depth, one through 12, some question marks at the back end of the roster. But um, it'll be fun to spend the next several weeks debating what the Wolves should do at those spots. Um, a big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, you can follow anywhere, uh, or I should say you can listen anywhere. That includes YouTube. You can watch on YouTube. You can listen on any of your favorite platforms. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves or at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Lockdown Network is your local experts on all your biggest stories. Um, and as long as you're making us your first listen, consider your second listen to be the Lockdown NBA show. You can get up to date on the latest news and rumors in just 30 minutes every day with Lockdown NBA. Lockdown NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.